listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 29th of November 2022. Later, how China is moving the markets. But first, let's talk property prices. And despite rising interest rates, the team at SQM Research expects dwelling values will actually rise 3 to 7% nationally next year. So to find out why, I spoke with Louis Christopher. He's the founder of SQM Research. Louis, you're expecting national dwelling prices to rise between 3 and 7% next year. Why? We believe that uh, over the course of 2023, uh, that on the balance of probabilities, the Reserve Bank of Australia will actually engineer a soft landing. They will manage to walk the tightrope and survive. Uh, and as a result of that, it, it should mean that we'll have a better than expected uh, ec- economy uh, next year. Uh, I think one of the key factors behind that will be our connection to the Asian tiger economies, which will help us avoid a hard landing, which unfortunately the US and Europe may well experience. I think we'll manage to actually avoid that. The other factor in all this too is that we know uh, that overseas migration has has been accelerating. It's certainly been since it's opened again. And so underlying demand for accommodation has actually been expanding in recent months and will continue to expand into 2023. Over and above that, it's not as though we're experiencing a surplus of stock right now. I'm sure you're well aware and your audience is well aware. We've actually been having a rental crisis on our hands and that fundamentally suggests we've we've actually got a shortage of properties. Now, of course, uh, we've had interest rate rises uh, and there have been substantial rises. If you were to say to me at the start of this year, we're going to have a cash rate of 2.85% uh, in November 2022, what would that mean for the market? I would have said up front, okay, that's going to spell a big correction. But we actually haven't had a, a massive correction in the housing market. It's been actually sort of more of a moderate correction. And so when you explore the reasons behind that, We believe that the acceleration in rents, the acceleration in overall incomes um, has actually been creating a bit of a buffer in the market. And over and above that, we know historically that higher inflation has generally been positively correlated to higher housing prices. So, for instance, back in the 1970s, at one point in time, Australia had an inflation, a headline inflation rate of 17.5%. Sydney housing prices in that decade actually quadrupled. They rose fourfold uh, because of this accelerated inflation. In times of higher inflation, people are looking for tangible assets to get a hedge in against that devaluation of their cash. And we will continue to still have relatively higher inflation uh, next year. And I think there'll be more and more investors who will be wishing to get that hedge against inflation in. Okay, so what do you see as the major threats to your forecast? Because I think a lot of it's based on where the interest rate, the official interest rate will be, right? Absolutely. So one of our key assumptions is that the cash rate doesn't go over 4%. Now, if it were to go over 4%, then we've we've, we've considered that scenario, and that's a more darker scenario. Uh, That is one where we would have what we call recessionary inflation, uh, where you, you essentially the economy starts heading towards a harder landing, where you have rises in unemployment above, say, 5%, and yet inflation is still there. Now, in that scenario, the forecast is that we would actually have another fall in housing prices 
at the, in a similar vein that we had this year, but potentially more on the aggressive side, depending on how hard the Reserve Bank of Australia actually has to lift rates. Uh, so, yes, it, it is key. We've actually did a lot of research in putting this report together in terms of what is the breaking point for borrowers out there in terms of a cash rate. So far, we've had these rate rises and, and borrowers have we've stood it so far. But there must be a point where, no, they cannot stand it anymore. And you see a lot more forced selling in a housing market, which would bring down prices considerably. We think that number is around the 4% mark in terms of a cash rate. That would actually effectively mean an average lending rate towards 7%. Uh, And we think there would be many borrowers who would not be able to withstand such a high rate at this point in time. I don't want to necessarily single down one market, but I guess Sydney is the country's largest housing market. And you're seeing signs that Sydney's eastern suburbs has already entered into a, into a recovery. What kind of signals are you seeing? Yes, we believe Sydney's uh, eastern suburbs has entered into a recovery. We're seeing this on two main indicators. Firstly, auction clearance rates. And we're generally recognising in the industry as having a more conservative measurement of auction clearance rates. I can tell you now in Sydney seats and suburbs, we've been recording auction clearance rates in the mid-60s, and this during the spring selling season, uh, a time when clearance rates normally fall away. So clearance rates have been rising uh, uh, at this time of year, particularly in Sydney seats and suburbs. Even above that, we've been noticing that vendors appear to be more confident in Sydney's East at this point in time. They've actually been lifting their asking price. That's a little bit odd for a downturn that uh, that uh, property sellers would actually do that. And it does suggest to me vendors are becoming a little bit more confident. And then finally, when we look at actual sales results, sales prices, they've been trending up. Now, this has been for affluent property predominantly. In Sydney's East, there's a lot of freestanding affluent homes worth millions of dollars, as I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, and it is interesting that our, well, the Sydney local economy is still going quite strong. I think next year for Sydney, with the changes in the taxation regime, moving from a stamp duty basis to a land tax basis where first-time buyers uh, will not actually end up paying stamp duty or they have an option to avoid it and go on land tax, that's actually going to boost demand out there for the Sydney housing market as well as a greater New South Wales housing market too. Final couple of questions, but on the on the on the rental market, on the broader scale right now, affordability is tight for renters. Why is that? Yes, we've got a shortage of rental properties, and we've been having this shortage essentially since the second half of 2020. There are a number of reasons for it. Uh, it's actually got worse in the capital cities in recent months, and we think this is as a result of people returning to the office. Uh, people who were living in the regions during the, the lockdowns coming back into our capital cities. The flip side to that is we're starting to notice a little bit of an easing in rental vacancy rates uh, and the rental market overall for our outer regional areas. And indeed, we're starting to record some rental falls in some regions such as Sydney's Blue Mountains and New South Wales' North Coast, as well as some Queensland regions. So the tide's turned a little bit on the rental market, but what it does mean for our capital cities for here and now is that we've got a shortage of rental properties and it's a combination of essentially the opening of the borders, um, an expansion in housing formation. So there's been 
uh, a, a reduced number of owner-occupiers or occupiers per dwelling, uh, and so that's created a surge in underlying demand. Uh, and the fact that we've been underbuilding as well uh, relative to our population in the last two years. So this has created the shortage conditions that we're, we're currently experiencing. And just finally, given your forecasts for higher prices next year in terms of buying prices, what do you think the future is for renters and why? Isn't, isn't more stock coming on board, for example? Yes. So for the first half of the year, we believe for capital city renters, it's still going to be very, very tight conditions and rents are still likely to rise at least for the first six months of 2023. Now, we believe, though, we will eventually see a peak in the rental market in later 2023. We say that because we know what's in the pipeline in terms of construction, so we can expect an increase in dwelling completions uh, in 2023, particularly towards the later half of 2023. Uh, We believe that there will be a reduction in housing formation as well, so more people are going to be sharing and grouping together to share the burden of the rent that will be occurring a little bit more next year as well. I think people feel safer to do that now that COVID's largely behind us. Uh, I also uh, uh, believe, too, we're going to see a rise in first-home buyer activity, particularly in New South Wales, given those tax changes. So they'll essentially be renters turning themselves into first-home buyers, and that will provide some relief as well. Um, so, And we also must remember, too, the housing market, is actually a relatively efficient market, not maybe as efficient as, say, the equities market, but it's still relatively efficient. And what I mean by that and the ramifications for that is that eventually everything gets priced in. So these tight rental conditions will eventually get priced in. The the rent the rental price does adjust upwards for it, then eventually it peaks. And I do believe we are going to see that sometime the second half of 2023. Louis Christopher there from SQM Research. Uh, Just for balance as well, the ANZ did come out today with its own house price forecasts saying they're on track to fall fall 18% by the end of 2023. So while Louis Christopher expects them to rise uh, next year, ANZ says uh, a continuation of the falls that we are seeing so far to see a total fall of 18% by the end of next year before recovering in 2024 as interest rates fall. Now, one of the reasons why um, prices, uh, it says, will continue to decline is not because of forced sales, but because of lower borrowing capacity. So that's what ANZ says. Now to the Australian share market, which did rise today, up 0.3% on the 207,253. For more, I spoke earlier with Martin Lakos from Macquarie. So, Martin, there seems to be a lot of macro and international headwinds for the market at the moment. So can we go through them one by one? Firstly, US interest rates. Has the market shifted in terms of expectations of just how aggressively they think the US Federal Reserve will now continue to lift? Look, we're certainly getting some signals out of members of the Federal Reserve on the question mark within the uh, the Fed of the rate and pace of rates. But there's no doubt that with inflation well above 7% and their target of 2%, you know, they've got still some work to do. But given they've had a pretty aggressive uh, process through this year, it may well be they start easing the actual increments. The big question for markets overall is how, you know, where is peak uh, interest rates in the US, in Europe, and even here in Australia? And then how long do central banks actually keep rates on hold at that peak level? 
Now, we are of the view that inflation is, in fact, uh, peaking at the moment. There's uh, certainly more than anecdotal evidence to say the same. But it takes a little while to flow through the figures. Uh, The best thing I can give you is to give you an idea of that sort of that lag. The November CPI in the US will come out on the 13th of December. And then the, the Federal Reserve will meet on the 14th. So they'll have the most current inflation numbers to add into the mix for them in regards to their decision making process. So we're probably somewhere between 75 and 80 percent through the interest rate cycle. Uh, but the, the big unknown, of course, is how sticky is inflation and whether, in fact, central banks need to go again harder next year. And that's probably one of the key risks for markets. You're mentioning the US. There's another issue on the other side of the Pacific, and that's China, right? Those rising COVID cases and unrest. How much of a concern is that for markets? Well, it's been in markets for a while, and it clearly is a concern because with zero COVID and the shutdowns has taken place, you know, activity continues to uh, to have been stalling. But we have now find the Chinese authorities over the last month or so have actually been slowly but surely uh, adding some stimulus into the Chinese economy. And they look like they're accelerating that now. So uh, they've cut the reserve requirement ratio for banks in terms of their balance sheets. That That means they can lend more. They've only cut it by 25 basis points, but that's a start. Uh, there's been some restrictions have been uh, lifted in regards to lending in the building space. So, again, they're looking for construction to pick up. But we've definitely seen some of these things reflected in weaker metal prices and a softer iron ore price. Uh, but we are expecting to see some some additional stimulus coming through, certainly going into next year. But the Chinese don't seem to be rushing at it. They are slowly but surely addressing the issues. So the third one, the EU-Russia oil cap. What are the implications? Because there, there were some developments more recently. Yes, yeah, so look, clearly we've seen uh, Europe and the US and, and their allies imposing sanctions on Russia for the invasion into the Ukraine. And so uh, what they're basically trying to do is put a cap on uh, Russia's oil price. So it has a couple of impacts. Firstly, uh, clearly it's going to keep the Russian oil price down, which is actually quite good for inflation. But more importantly, they're trying to impose a pricing regime that would also reduce profits and revenues for Russia. So it's really another sanction. Now, there's not at this stage, there doesn't appear to be a unified view out of Europe. A number of countries such as Cyprus and Hungary are reported to be against putting a price cap in place. But it does look like there is some degree of of commitment to do so over time. Uh, so that would be sort of slightly positive around energy prices. We've already seen the oil price come off from a peak of $120 a barrel. It actually was down at $88 a barrel not that long ago. So energy complex has definitely already been easing. And that's one of the reasons why we think that inflation overall is starting to peak. So of those three macro issues that we were talking about, right, is there one that is more of an issue of a focus for Australian investors and implications for the markets here than the other? Well, I'd say not only just Australian investors, but investors everywhere. And that clearly is still uh, the the inflation situation and how central banks are managing uh, their monetary policy. Now, look, if we're right and we'll start to see uh, interest rates peak by around the first quarter of next year, the big question mark, well, there's two question marks. How long do central banks keep rates at that level to continue to tame inflation? And let's put this in perspective. Inflation in Germany is at 11%. 
so there's a long way to go to get inflation down as there is in the United States. You know, we've got inflation here nearly at seven. And again, we want to get it back into that two to three percent range. So there's a little bit of work to be done yet by central banks on the interest rate policy. But the second component of that is at what point in time do central banks start to ease rates? And what is the new neutral? And it's certainly not back to zero. That's for sure, Ricardo. So whether the new neutral in Australia is going to be in two to two and a half percent range, that probably feels about right at this stage. But we're, we're probably not going to see that until about this time next year. So we're going to have higher rates, uh, certainly in Australia and around the world, for most of 2023, depending on how sticky inflation is. And that clearly has implications both in terms of earnings growth for share markets and, of course, sentiment by investors. So if the market's really still looking at interest rates and inflation, would do you think it'd be fair to say for the short, I mean, we shouldn't really be talking about short-term investors, but for the short-term investor, do you think that next CPI number out of the US and the Fed decision is the next key market-moving event? It's certainly one of those, for sure. Having seen markets rebound so strongly from their September volatility, you know, we're up nearly 12% in the Australian market from trough to peak. Uh, so you would, you know, the question mark is, is that just a bear market rally? It sort of sort of feels that it is. The next big question going forward into next year is, of course, the impact of these higher interest rates on earnings, company earnings. So although the markets don't look cheap, cheap anymore, you know, probably we're not going to see as dramatic a fall off in in uh, valuations from a PE perspective, but it's going to be all around earnings growth. And that's really the big theme for next year. And if if those earnings growth declines are somewhat contained, then we've probably seen the bottom, but it doesn't mean to say we're not going to continue to see uh, volatility around those sorts of inflation data, particularly if you get one that isn't what the market's expecting. And that's always going to be the case. So, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Final question, and it's about trading today. We saw an obvious sell-off at the very beginning of the session. 10, 15 minutes afterwards, the market just picked up dramatically. It's, It's in positive territory. Do we know why? Yeah, that sort of coincides with um, some more further announcements uh, out of China in regards to COVID, the COVID policy and stimulus. And in fact, what we've seen is the uh, Asian markets have actually rallied right through today. The Hang Seng's up about 3%. Uh, the CSI, the Chinese market, uh, is up about 2 percent 2.25%. So, you know, we were down about 20, 25 points, and we've obviously reversed that pretty comfortably on the back of additional stimulus coming out of China and the Asian markets performing today. Martin Lakos there from Macquarie. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.